0: Welcome to Real Food, Real Conversations with Sophia DeSantis, where we focus on finding our happy balance between salad and fries. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Real Food, Real Conversations podcast, episode eight. I am so excited to be back with you guys. Today, I wanted to chat a little bit about what we started to talk about last time, which was how the stories that you've created in your brain help guide your current decision-making. Now, this was a statistic I saw when I was researching um, decision-making and subconscious and stuff like that for an upcoming course that I'm creating. And the statistic I saw was about 80 to 90% of your current decision-making is based On things is done by your subconscious mind. So the subconscious mind makes decisions based on stories that it has created from its past. And this is all just science because our brain has file folders of things that it's filed away to help guide our decisions because there's just no way that we could think about everything all at the same time. It would drive us crazy. It's just not possible. Kind of like when you're reading, you're not technically reading every single word. Um, my background is in uh, education. I have a master's in education, specifically um, reading acquisition. And when I taught kids to read, it's so important that they learn about um, sight, rec- sight word recognition because their mind, once you learn something like that, it automatically fills in certain things because learning to read is... When you learn to read, you learn to read the sounds, and you put them together to work with words. But your actual fluency of reading, which is something that doesn't come up until you've actually learned the basic building blocks, um, fluency is how fast and how smooth you're reading, and that is partially done by a subconscious mind with the stuff that it has learned in rote memory, pretty much, and visual memory is really what it is, and so. When you're reading, you don't read every single word, which is why when we edit our own work, it's hard to catch all of our mistakes. And when you do a book, like when I created my um, cookbook, I had a team of editors who read the book and we still had mistakes because that's just the way it is. I mean, it's called human error. So when I saw the statistic about our decision making, it really didn't come to a huge shock to me. Because it made perfect sense, so, for example, I was raised by two amazing parents. They were immigrants to the United States. Um, they did meet here. I am first generation, I'm Greek, and they they came here for an education. Um, my mom was the first woman in her village to ever go to college. Um, One of very few that went to high school because back then in the villages, um, women didn't educate themselves past, I want to say, junior high school. Um, So education was huge with my parents. My dad started off at a JC and worked his way up and ended up getting a graduate postdoc degree from Harvard. So I definitely have smart parents. Um, And education was always really valued when I was growing up. Um, I basically could get whatever... I wanted, I mean, we didn't have a, loads of money to get whatever I wanted, but I mean, I could get things by showing that I was working hard through school. So I got straight A's. I was a really hard worker. I studied a lot. Um, and education was just a big part of me growing up. And I knew that I wanted to go to college. I knew that the man I was going to marry needed to have a college degree. Um, and this, these are things that I, decisions that I made based on how I was raised and the stories that came up when I was growing up. So how does this have to do with food? Well, my mom is, she worked full time, but she still made a lot of homemade things. We didn't get TV dinners. We didn't get Chef Boy RD, which, um, if you, I totally just dated myself, but that was kind of SpaghettiOs, things like that were big when I was growing up and I did not, I never had those at home. Um, so I always had fresh food. My mom, I saw my mom working full time, yet still put effort into making fresh food. So that is a story that for me, the story is that you should put the effort into make fresh food. It's better for you. Yes. However, the piece that I think was missed a little bit with my mom wanting to give us everything and her being raised in a village where you didn't really have like packaged foods. I mean, you made everything from scratch. So that was her story. Her story was you just made things and that's how she made things for us. And the one piece that I remember, you know, I look back and I was like, gross, but you know, Twinkies were big back then, ding-dongs. And I never got that stuff at home. Um, However, my mom still made cookies and as we got older, she started buying a few more prepackaged things like that. So it did create that sense of a little bit of balance for me. Um, But I think the balance is something that I've truly figured out as an adult. Because, you know, here's a funny, another funny story from my childhood is 7-Eleven and getting Slurpees was huge. And my birthday is 7-Eleven. So um, free Slurpee day. So it was a big deal. But and we had a Seven Eleven that we were allowed to walk to back then, which was, it was fairly far, to be honest. But, you know, back then we were allowed to scooter or walk places that kids really aren't allowed to right now. Uh, well, not right now, right now, but just in general. Um, but my mom discouraged us going when generally to get Slurpees, we didn't do that all the time unless it was Pina Colada flavor day. <laughs> and that's because there was no food coloring in it. It was white back then and my mom was pretty progressive at the time when it came to natural things but I think that's because of the stories that she created when she was younger growing up in the village where they had to make everything um it was kind of a big it was kind of a big thing back then so she was able to pass that on to us in a healthier way in the sense that hey food coloring is not good for you you can go to Seven Eleven, but you can only go during Pina Colada Day where there was no food coloring, which is so funny. But now I realize that I really, I think that, you know, should have backed off a little bit. And we were able to have it once in a blue moon, like the other stuff, because we would beggar. Like, we loved blue raspberry flavor, but, you know, like, it all had major food coloring back then. Um, so it, that's a story that I had created based on my experience, and it's a story she passed on to us based on her experience and so as we get older and we realize what um, I, it, there was no like militia into like hey she's just trying to teach us best but for me now I know that there there is a balance between body and mind and that we have to learn to let go of some things in order to keep a healthy mind and I'm not saying like go have all the red number 40 or whatever it is um, but I'm just saying that for my kids I don't freak out if they want a Slurpee at Seven Eleven. I don't even know if they has real food coloring now. I mean, so many things have changed. But yeah, would I prefer them to have like a fruit juice flavored Slurpee? Of course. I mean, it's better for you. But I also want them to be a kid and I also want them to keep a healthy relationship with food and a healthy mind when it comes to all this. So I'm trying to recreate some stories to instill in them about balance and about knowing that... Hey, yeah, the dye isn't great for us, but at the same time, if you have it once in a blue moon, it's not going to be the end of the world. I mean, unless, of course, you're allergic or have some reaction to food coloring, like 100%. But it's just that balance is really important for me to instill in them and their stories that they're going to create when they get older to make decisions. So while stories are something that guide our subconscious mind to make decisions... And, and how we react to things. So I it could be potentially that for me as an adult, um, there was a period of time where I was really big on everything healthy. And I had an adverse reaction to even thinking about having something, you know, let's say food coloring, for example. I don't know if it was, I, I wouldn't say it's that as an adult. But, you know, there was a period of time when I was like, no way, no way, no way. But that triggered an anxiety type response in me which then when you have anxiety and you're stressed your cortisol levels increase which aren't good to have that constantly. So yeah, cortisol levels increase to you know sh- to tell our subconscious mind it's a fight or flight situation which is normal in certain situations but when you have that all the time. So if your f- stories of your past related to food are constantly creating anxiety you're really counteracting the health benefits of being super healthy when it comes to eating. I don't know if that makes any sense, but um, I hope it does. So I personally, when my husband, when we had to change our diet for him, part of his heart condition, you know, definitely could be triggered by by stress. So we really thought about our decisions in changing to a mostly plant-based diet And that's why when we decided to be mostly plant-based and not dive into this world of black and white and 100%, we made that consciously, knowing that the stress behind it for us, for some people, it's not stressful, but for us would trigger a response that was not favorable for our overall health, which was our why and the reason why we changed it, which is why it's so important to have a why. If you haven't listened to my first episode, Please go back and listen. It's all about the why and why we decided to go mostly plant-based and not dive into the whole black and white part of it. Um, And if your why is different, then you might have a different um, plan, a different plan of action, a different end result. But for us, it was health and overall maintaining a healthy body and mind. And that's why the balance came into play and why I have really learned to reframe some of my stories, to um, to rewrite them. So just because you've been raised a certain way or, or the experiences you've had in your past have created stories, it doesn't mean that you can't rewrite those stories. It takes some work and it takes some practice, but it's definitely possible because I'm living, breathing proof of that. I, If you listen to episode two, I talked about how I was just my makeup is very type A and how I've had to recreate those stories in order to find balance and find a healthy mind. And I'm a type A person living in a type B world now. And I wouldn't say I've let go of everything. I'd say I um, am pretty close to being um, as good as I really want to be. I always have things to work on. Always. We all do. But if you look at me now versus years ago, it's I'm a different person. And I feel like I get frustrated when I have, um, I love all of my dear friends. But sometimes, you know, when you know somebody for so long, you have these stories about them. Again, the stories you've created. And not recreating, you sometimes need to work on recreating those stories of other people as well because people change, you know, for the good and for the bad, but people change. And I have made so much change in the way I think about things and how I've learned to let go and stuff like that. And so it's really important for you to figure out your why. Why are you doing everything? What is your main goal? And go from there. That's why I started episode one with my why and why I've changed everything and then when it comes to my kids, I really want to make sure that the stories that they create are going to benefit them for for the good. And of course, there's going to be stories that they create that don't because as parents, I think we all know that um, those of us that are parents, that we only can do the best we can. I think my parents did an amazing job raising us. I think that they did the absolute best they could based on their experiences and their stories. Um, and that's the great thing about... Learning from your experience and generations and generations is, you know, you learn to take the things that didn't most benefit you and and change them into something positive. And I really want to do that for my kids when it comes to food because people ask me all the time, like, "Oh, are your kids vegan?" And I'm like, "No, none of us are really." I guess that you know, if you look at the definition, I, we eat vegan food, and I create vegan and plant based recipes. I like to call them more plant based because um, whole food plant based. Recipes are different than just vegan. A lot of vegan recipes are, um, that's gonna, I, I'm gonna have this as another episode, but vegan recipes can create things that aren't whole food. And we mostly try and eat, um, mostly whole food type food, which means just food whole is exactly what it is, is instead of buying that prepackaged cookie, making cookies at home, um, from, you know, real ingredients. And again, when it comes to balance, I 100% have that balance with my kids. And I, my kids go to birthday parties and, well, not currently right now when we're in this situation, but my kids go to birthday parties and they eat what they want. Um, they, they, I want them to be kids. I want them to have this conscious mind of what they're eating definitely affects them. And we have many conversations when, um, I remember one time my son ate like way, way too much pizza at a party and came home and was like, totally feeling sick. And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> yes, you are. Um, you are feeling sick for a reason. And and my kids are self-learning these types of things. You can tell kids what you want. But again, when you tell them something, they're creating a story based on what you're telling them versus their own experience. And I feel like when kids experience things, they create some solid stories there and they learn from those experiences. And it's so important for me, for my kids to learn that. and People would say, oh, but isn't it important for them to be healthy and and not eat things to make them unhealthy? Well, yeah, I'm not going to – my kids aren't going out and eating like McDonald's every single day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? So they have – they're home most of the time. They're children. So let's think of it that way. Like most of the time my kids are home. So most of the time they're getting some great food. I mean I create amazing plant-based recipes that are wholesome and nutritious and all that stuff. And do we let go at home? A hundred percent we do. We go out, we enjoy, um, we get takeout sometimes, whatever. But the times they go to those birthday parties and indulge in all these funny, fun, yummy things for them, that's building their mind. That's building their their self-relationship with food. And it's creating a story of balance. And that is so important to me. It's almost as important to me as their healthy body. And I feel that this is the issue that we've lost in our world today when it comes to balanced eating is um, people eat for their body. They don't always eat for their mind. And I am really challenging people to rethink the way they think about food. And that sometimes eating for our mind is just as important as eating for our body. And and when my kids go to that birthday party, you bet I'm letting them eat for their mind. Um, so it's really important for us to just kind of look at things different and Know that just because we have certain stories, like people with eating disorders, um, you know, issues with relationships with food, a lot of that is based on the past stories that they've created with that. So our subconscious mind triggers us when they, when we are in certain environments and, and you know, when some, like a woman will, or a man, sorry, I'm going to take that back, a woman or a man um, may look at themselves and say, oh my God, I'm so fat, I, I can't eat that cookie. Um, that is a trigger from your subconscious mind where you can rewrite that story it is totally possible if you have a real eating disorder I 100% suggest and actually am asking you to go get some real help do not rely on people online influencers um, to help you because an eating disorders is a real problem it's a real issue and I really encourage you to get you know real help if if you need that to help rewrite those stories in a safe and healthy way um, so I'm really excited that you guys are here and listening and have kept with me up to episode eight so far. Um, I have so much more to come and next time I want you to tune in because I'm going to have a guest, one of my favorite people um, ever on the planet who has been part of my transformation in my type B life and um, changing my stories. She has really helped me hone in on it and it's um, my yoga teacher, one of my yoga teachers just this one that I've connected with and I've taken so many of her classes and her, um, her message every single time just really always hit me. So tune in because it's going to be an amazing conversation and I'm super excited to share with you guys. Thanks you guys for being here. I appreciate you all and we'll chat next time.